Hi. Hello. I feel like I've been through a war this week. Yeah, me too. I know. I feel like we both like, we kind of walked in here. I could like feel it, but like we're, we're keeping our spirits up. We are. We're, we're, we're mostly because I think we're both so inspired by our, our guest today, which we'll talk about in a second. But I think we've both been through the ringer. It's been a long week. It's been so hot, you guys. And this is like, oh, poor us. But it has been hotter than usual in Los Angeles. We don't have air conditioning. You guys have sort of air conditioning. We live in a 1920s house and unfortunately our bedroom is the last stop for the AC. So we don't get it. The last stop for the AC is so funny. It's like Sabrina's probably cool as a cucumber. She's okay. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, look, it's Friday. We're recording our podcast. We can go home and see our our bugs. Are you gonna be able to make it home in time? Just in time for the kiss. Yeah. Oh, the kiss. Oh, and she's, well, I'm sure I'll make it home because she spends about 40 minutes on the toilet now. And and then she we pretend like we're going to go to bed. And then I put her in the crib. And then she goes, pooping, pooping. And then we have to go back on the toilet. And then just despite it, she'll like, she'll squeeze that last one out. <laughs> just, it's like she's waiting because she knows like, you know, otherwise we would just call her bluff. So, but then we get her in the crib again. And it's been really cute because she'll be like, rub my belly, rub my belly. And then she hugs, hugs. And then she'll whisper, love you, mom. Aww. And then it'll seem like she'll never let me go. And then she'll roll over and go, see you later. <laughs> Magnolia started saying, move, please. But like, <laughs> she might as well not say the please part because it's just move, you know, it's like, and it's, it, you're just an obstacle in her way to everything that she wants to do. But you know, what's happened this week is she started linking words together. And so it's crazy. Cause like, she's totally communicating. And what is um, she saying? Like, what kind of sentence? Uh, like, move. Well, move, please move, please. <laughs> it's polite. Uh, she says the please do it, which is when she wants to do it, do it. Oh, yeah. um, or she does say you, you do it, you do it. Um, help me or help please. And today we've got up, she's been waking, she's waking up at 5 a.m. I, I think we'll get into it later, but because we've been having some nanny stuff going on. Yes, you guys, I still don't have a nanny. <laughs> um, and you've had like 12, but like, you still have one. Dude, the one. Five nannies in three weeks. And this is like serial dating. It's nuts. I mean, I, I've started to really feel crazy about it where I'm questioning like my ability to judge character because I've sat down with people and I'm like, that's why you're still working with me. <laughs> Don't look too closely there. So, <laughs> I love you, Ellie. But yeah, it's, uh, we okay, had, what's wrong with the last one? The latest. So we had one who or like just what should one not do if they don't just be, be honest in the interview. Like what outed, I think is what I think is so outed. strange is that these people they they show up and they they obviously want the job. And Michael and I are like super chill. And I think what I'm learning more and more is Ellie. I think we're really cool parents because some of these <laughs> nannies tell me the people that they work for are really really rigid and you know there's super rules and like we're basically yeah, and like no like. You can't be friends with them in any way. Yeah. Like, they don't even, yeah. We're essentially People like, intense. as long as she doesn't die, it's fine. Because <laughs> I don't care. Like, I don't care if Magnolia gets dirty or stuff in the house gets ruined or stuff gets dirty. Like, I want, I love it when she comes home filthy. That means you had a really great day. So I think we're pretty laid back and they love that. And and you also, like, become a part of our family. You know, yeah. we have dinners with you and Mike cooks for everyone. And 
And we're all codependent. We're all co- so we yes. want to make so sure you had a really good day exactly. with our kid. <laughs> and that we're not pissing you off and that you're going to come back to work tomorrow. <laughs> but but so many people have lied. Not, not just lied, not really lied. They've just uh, avoided the truth. And, you know, one lady, she doesn't have her work permit. And I told her when we met her, you know, you're going to be on payroll. And she said, oh, well, I've usually been paid under the table. And I said, well, we do payroll. By the way, payroll protects them. Yep. Payroll, pay, payroll's a good deal. I mean, are, are these people not paying their taxes? I mean, the, the legal ones. But anyway, showed up three days later for her first day of work, three beautiful, gorgeous days. I could have been interviewing other nannies and said midway through nap time. So by the way, could you for a year pay me under the table? And I was like, no. What no. part of that was not clear uh, three days ago when we said it? And I think she just thought she was going to show up and we were going to love her and then we were going to just do what it took to keep her. And, you know, I, there's there's enough stress in my life without doing something that could get us in trouble. Yes. And so I just said, I'm so sorry. I felt really bad. She cried when she left. And I said, you know, why did you lie? I said, it it would have been so much better for us. Like, you know, if you had told us the truth, it's, it's the same ending. It's just three days later. And she said that we were such a nice family and she really wanted to work with us. And that made me feel really sad. I, 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 you know, well, she, she can come back when she's figured it out. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Her work permit. It takes her a year to get the work permit. I don't know. I don't know how long it was going to oh, take, boy. but you know, the good news is I think, I think we've as got- Winnie the Pooh says, Oh, bother. Oh, bother. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, that's what I think Sabrina's been doing with her Winnie the Pooh obsession. She now finds the tiniest little crevices to stick her cute little chubby body in to get and she's, Mama's stuck. Mama's stuck. Mm. Winnie the Pooh stuck. Because Winnie the Pooh's always getting stuck trying to get honey. Aww. So she, it's becoming a dangerous game. <laughs> Isn't it funny, though? They just they latch on to these little characters. Magnolia is obsessed with Minnie Mouse right now. Oh. And she has two mini dolls that she has to go to bed with, and she calls them the minis. <laughs> because you have to go to Disneyland. I know. She Come almost, on, she's going to lose Let's, her mind. Uh, but we how need many a sponsored of- trip to Disneyland? <laughs> yeah. Hello? Hello? Can they go on the rides? Yeah, I don't think she's tall enough to go There's on There's some rides. I just took Sabrina. Oh, because she could go on like, could she go on like a small world with us in the uh-huh. boat? And then there's the tiki room where Maybe the parrots we'll sing. We will go. It's really fun. Um, I want to talk about our guests. Okay. For a little bit before we get her on here. Unless there's anything else you'd like to discuss. I want to talk about our guests. Yeah. Okay. So you guys, I'm really excited for you to hear our guest today because she is hands down one of the most inspirational women I have ever not met. <laughs> met her yet we are friends we are email pen pals i adore her and i am so inspired by her and so the story is in 2008 i was on the computer and uh you know little blurbs come up in your aol the the news and (laughs) aol (laughs) i know it's so old by the way i still have my aol email but uh there was a story that came up about a uh, young couple with four children that was involved in a small plane crash. Their pilot slash instructor died in the crash. The husband was burned um, over a large percentage of his body, I think 40%, and the wife was burned over 80%. They were both in critical condition in the hospital. And I was like, oh my God, this is, what a crazy story. And I think I was the struck. The husband was in a coma for five weeks. Yeah. And she was in a coma for three months. Yeah. So I followed the links and I found that this woman, Stephanie Nielsen, had a blog called The Nini Dialogues. 
Stephanie Nielsen. And NIE. <laughs> and I started to read her story. And while she was in this coma, people began to post on um, her blog. They would repost, uh, you know, blogs that she had done earlier. And I fell in love with this person. I mean, she really touched me. She was such a devoted mother and wife, a very religious, a very smart, a very caring woman. And the outpouring of support from the people in the webosphere because of her blog was so touching. And I continually was checking back on this story and what was happening to her. And then one day, I looked at the blog, and this is what popped up as the post, a picture of two hands in gloves holding each other, and it says, new knee. It's true. I am alive. I look different. I walk slow and type slower, but it's good to be back. How can I thank you all? I don't think I can. Letters, emails, stories, toys for the kids, clothes, artwork, dolls, love, donations, and all of your prayers. I will thank you all soon enough, but for now, excuse me, I need to take my 6,000th pill for the day. For now, here are my hands. They are tightly wrapped in what we burn patients call juzos, and they hurt. Boy, do I have some good stories for you. Raised toilets, special looking underwear, commodes galore, and stuff like that. Really, thank you all. Tears gush every time. I think about the support from you all. I love you all. And here's to a new knee. But not so different. At the end of the day, Mr. Nielsen in his blue juzos takes my, me by the hand for bed, like I said. Not so different than before the crash, which we endearingly call BC and after the crash as AC. And I absolutely bawled when I saw that because here I had been following this woman now for a couple months and learning about her and knowing that this person that I never knew of before was lying in a coma in a hospital and then suddenly there she was and she was back and she was blogging. The most heartbreaking thing to me was that she had these four kids and obviously didn't see them the entire time she was in a coma and when she woke up then she was terrified for them to see her because she looked so different because her face had been so disfigured by the burns and her sister Lucy had her baby Nicholas and Courtney, her other sister, had the three older children, Claire, Jane, and Oliver. We will talk to her about eventually when the kids saw her and how that was for her, but she blogged about all of this. And, you know, I'm so excited to talk to her because this is the first time we've actually spoken on the phone. We've emailed, I sent her a care package, but one last thing that I want to read before we get her on the phone because this blog post was the one that just absolutely, as a mom, and I think for all our listeners to hear, to, to go through something as horrific as a plane crash and then to recover from these devastating injuries and then to come home and then you have to get your children to understand that you're still the same person that you were to them before this horrific accident. And so this blog post is called A Mother. Last week was hard. I mean, like every breath was painful with sadness and depression, and I was feeling slightly misunderstood. When the sun fades, my heart sinks. Nights are hard. One night in particular was hard. Looking in the mirror gives me instant frustration because the questions began in my head like, who am I? Is this what I will look like forever? Will I ever truly love the way I look again? Do I love myself? Then I cry. 
Then Mr. Nielsen holds me tight and repeats loving and calming words that slowly work their way in. I cry downstairs. Must be Nicholas. I look at Mr. Nielsen and tell him I really want to go and put him back to dreamland. My boys devour Christian all day long like he were an ice cream cone. They can never get enough. I used to be that ice cream cone. The accident changed that. Getting Ollie to hug me is like pulling teeth. Nicholas won't have anything to do with me, so when he began to cry, I jumped at the opportunity to lay beside him. I'm not going to be able to get through this. Tears dropped as I walked down the stairs to the boys' room. Anything could happen. He could scream for his dad or mom, Lucy, which is her sister, and push me away. Inside, Nicholas sat up next to his sleeping, his sleeping brother, who, by the way, was wearing a Zorro mask. I lay beside him on the bed, repeating soft words to him, just as Mr. Nielsen had done for me moments earlier. Nicholas suddenly cuddled up to me. He stopped crying. I was shocked. For a moment, I felt like myself, a mother. I think that cured our relationship. Just today, he asked for his mommy, then curled up on my lap, rubbed my scar-filled face, and said to me, Bites, mommy. Ouch. Now he likes me, just like that. It just takes one day at a time. Saturday, I woke up, and I was happy. My body felt like it was full of sunshine, no pain. I got up early and said my prayers. Then I turned on my music and opened the blinds. I ate breakfast with Nicholas while the other sleepyhead slowly walked up the stairs for their morning nutrients. Again, it happened. I felt like a mother. We'll be right back with Stephanie Nielsen. welcome and thank you I, I honestly it's so crazy to me I just I feel like I feel like I'm talking to my college girlfriend I know well we could be we should be so you know for our listeners who aren't familiar with you or haven't read your blog or your books I want to start or off seeing you on Oprah <laughs> all the good stuff I want to talk <laughs> a, a little bit about this crazy transformative event that happened to you and your your dear husband and kind of can you walk just a little bit through you don't have to go into great detail but just the events that happened that summer yes so it was in 2008 I was 27 years old and I had four children my oldest um, daughter Claire started first grade so you know she was six and then my uh, then my next, James, she just started kindergarten. She was five. And then I had Oliver, who was three. And then Nicholas was just 18 months. And my husband had just learned how to fly airplanes. And so he had just gotten his license. And we decided to take our flight instructor, who had worked, you know, months and months with him, helping him get his license. We decided to take him to our family ranch in New Mexico and just fly over the ranch. And it was just a very innocent, lovely day, and I remember um, I had set pizza dough out on my counter for the for that night, and I mean, I just, you know, just normal day for me, and we right. got in the airplane, and beautiful day coming home, though, we, we had just stopped and fueled up, and it was a very hot day in New Mexico, and the airplane just didn't quite get off the ground fast enough, and so we hit some power lines in a little residential neighborhood and just went down and the plane just burst in flames and we were all knocked unconscious. And uh, my husband was able to get out first 
and couldn't get me out. I tried to go around to the other side of the airplane and tried to help me get out that way. But by that time, I had woken up and, and had gotten out, and then the pilot got out last. We're not sure how long we were in the airplane for, but long enough that the pilot passed away from his injuries. He was burned well over 100% of his body, and I was burned about 83% of mine. And Christian, my husband, was burned about 30%, 35% of his body. And so we were taken, life flighted to Phoenix, where they have a burn center, and put in medically induced comas and... I'm just pretty much a miracle. I wasn't expected to live. I had internal injuries as well. And the most striking thing to me in reading Heaven is Here is you mention that after the plane has crashed and you're lying there, that one of your first thoughts was about the pizza dough rising and about your children and that, you know, you're supposed to be home making the pizza. Can you just go home? Yeah, yeah, I did. I thought about the pizza dough that I had put on the counter. I thought I need to get home and make make the, because traditions are a big part of my life, big part of my family. And every Saturday we make pizza. That's just what we do. And I just imagine my kids being like, yeah, my mom's in a plane crash, but we're not going to have pizza. You know, I just like, I was thinking, I can't, I can't believe this. And then I thought, oh my gosh, my mom's going to kill me if she didn't like me flying anyway. And, and just, you know, I imagine my, just, just my life without, you know, my kids' life without me in it was just very, that that was what got me the most. Because there was a moment in the plane that it was just on fire. I was on fire. And I just really thought, I'm not getting out of this. Yeah. And I thought, all right, fine. If, if it's going to kill me, let's just hurry and get this going. Let's just get this over with. I just, I really thought, I'll just stay here for a couple more minutes. It's going to hurt really bad. But pretty soon I won't, I'll be dead. I won't be here. I won't be feeling this. But it's my children that got me out because the moment I thought that gave into that defeat, I sort of, that's when my, like something that mother tiger inside me just sort of was like, no, you're not. And and then I was able to get out. And can you share with our listeners a little bit about your Nana Aurora as your angel in there? Yeah. My, so my grandmother, um, I'm her namesake, Aurora, my middle name's Aurora. And she was, I was only, just very young, like I think 10 when she passed away or, and, but I had a very uh, sweet relationship with her. She was, um, had passed away from, you know, complications with her all time where she was just, you know, very sickly, but I was kind of her buddy during all of that. So I had a, I, I got a really close relationship with her during all of that. But I felt like when I was um, in that airplane, I, I I I didn't see her with my physical eyes, but I just sensed that she was there. I knew she was there. It, it's something that I don't think anybody on this earth can can describe or explain that how that works. Mm-hmm. But I just knew she was there. I felt her, and and she helped me get my seatbelt off. She explained to me, kind of calmed me down, and then told me. I, I almost felt like she <laughs> like lifted me out. You know, I just felt like. Somehow I was just, she was there with me. And then she told me to stop running, get down on the ground and just roll. And, and so I just did it and I did it. And I remember stopping on somebody's front lawn, looking up at this tree. And I just thought, you know, I, 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 since she was gone, I didn't, I didn't feel her anymore, but I knew 
she had, you know, helped me get to where I was. Cause I, my mind, I was out of my mind. I just, so anyway, she was there. She definitely was there helping calm me down and save me. I think. And then you, do you, so my brother was in a, was in a really bad accident. He was in a medically induced yeah. coma and he, he talks about very strange dreams that he had during that time. Do you remember anything? Do you remember thoughts or, or experiences that you were having, you know, when you were in the coma? The dreams that I remember, uh, well, I, I do remember being in another place and that, that point I was out of pain. I remember, I don't know where I was. I, can't say for sure where it was, but it was very peaceful. Mm. It was beautiful. And for a little while, I, re- I felt like Christian was with me. And he was only in a coma, you know, for five weeks. But I think during that time, we were together. And then I remember very, very distinctly when he was gone, when he wasn't with me. And I think, you know, I think we had conversations wherever we were in heaven or wherever you think, you know, if you believe in that. I believe in that. So I think, yeah, I, w- I was probably in a heaven a place and he says you know I got to get back to the kids and I just my body wasn't ready yet I wasn't ready to go back and so he left and and I was remember being there again with my grandmother Nana my Aurora and then some other family members that I passed on and um that part was very beautiful and comforting and it wasn't weird or you know we think of it as weird but it was just very peaceful and wonderful, but I do remember missing my kids quite a bit. But then I, I do know that coming out of the coma when my body was getting better, you know, they they, they slowly take you out of that right. deep medically induced coma. And that's when the scary dream started. I remember weird, but really scary, like the plane crashing again. And my hospital room was uh, really close to the helipad where they would bring patients in from, um, you know, wherever they would bring them in there. And I could hear the helicopter and I just, every time I would hear that, I was just frightened. And so they had to move me because that would just bring up really bad memories. I felt like I was stuck in a video game a lot of the times. Just, yeah, very, amazing, very weird. And I do, I do remember them um, buzzing my head, all my hair off so they could harvest the skin from my scalp. And and I felt that I felt like I was in a salon though. I felt I thought I was like getting all, you know, cute, like they were giving me a haircut right. and <laughs> doing my nails and <laughs> if I had known that they were actually shaving all my hair off, I think I would have freaked out. <laughs> so oh, my brother my brother said that when he was in his coma, you know, my mom would sit by his bedside and talk about um how she he needed she needed to wash his hair and she needed to, and he does remember that he had this dream that he was on a train going off to war and that before they were going to go to war they had to stop somewhere they were going to get their hair washed <laughs> so oh my gosh, I mean, definitely really? yeah definitely um <laughs> yeah. you you hear and you feel and you sense yeah. and and all of those things uh, I I I do think it would be so interesting some sometime to talk to somebody who's been in that situation just to hear, you know, hear their, what they thought or what they think, or, you know, what their experiences oh, were. Yeah. Cause I do think that they're, they're very similar, you know, cause I, I guess, yeah, anyway, that's, that's funny. <laughs> Can we talk a little bit about the, the hardest part for you of, of waking up and, and what those first thoughts were about your kids? Yeah. Um, I, I felt really guilty 
I, I think women, guilt is one of our worst enemies. I think that, that, you know, men, they don't feel guilty the way that women do. And so when I, you know, when I woke up from my coma, I just felt unworthy of being a mother. I just thought, what kind of mother gets in an airplane with these four young children at home and just leaves them? You know, I just felt, you know, which isn't that totally irrational. I mean, people do that all the time, but, right. but I think I just felt very guilty for doing that. And so I woke up and, and I wouldn't, I didn't want to hear stories about where they were, how they were doing. I just, I, I, and I knew that I had changed. I knew that my body, I looked different and that was really hard for me. And I just thought it'd be so much better and easier if my sisters just took those kids away from me. And I just was shipped off to some crazy hospital somewhere because it'd be so much easier for them. And it would be easier for me to not to even have to deal with that. But um, I, I knew that that, that that wasn't going to happen. You mentioned that your husband was a physical reminder of the accident, too. It's like you you didn't even want to, you couldn't even yeah, be he, near him. Yeah, he'd come in, and he he looked like a skeleton. He was really scary. He was so skinny. And, you know, he had burns on his face, and it was in compression garments, the garments that burn, burn survivors wear, you know, to help to help with the, the, the scarring. And he was... Uh, he walked like a really old man, and he just, he wasn't my Christian, my handsome, you know, striking, strong husband. It was this weakly man that I just thought, oh, if he looks like that, and I was burned, like, Worse. way more than he was, what do I look like? <clears throat> so I asked my sister not to let him in my room a couple times. I just oh thought, God. I just can't deal with that. Yeah. And, and then, yeah, then the kids were just in this huge weight that I had, I just thought, how could they, how, the burn center in Phoenix, they don't allow children in there. So they, they couldn't, they, the kids weren't, weren't coming to visit me, but I would talk to them sometimes on the phone and in their minds, I was just that mom that, you know, this pretty long black hair and the freckles and the, you know, I'd wear lipstick and the apron and just that was mom to them. And so I knew that, you know, they would have to see me, and that, that, that wasn't me anymore. And at that point, I still hadn't even looked at my own self yet. I just put that off. I just I knew that I looked different, and the way people were talking to me was, I knew that something was seriously wrong, and I just didn't want to deal with it. And so I just put it off every, every day. I would just say, no, I'm not going to look at myself, and no, I don't want to see the kids. And you know, I just, I was really depressed. It was a really hard time. Can't even, I can't even imagine. And, you know, I, th I, when you talk about your kids, like I get so choked up about it because, you know, now that I have my own little girl at the time that I yeah. found your blog, I wasn't even a mom. So it was yeah. emotional for me to read your story, not even having a kid. And now that I do have my daughter, I, I mean, we read one of your blog posts before we introduced you on the show, and I couldn't get through it because it's oh. it's too it, it, to imagine that you know you have to come back into your kids' lives and and to essentially earn their trust again, not because you've done right. anything wrong, but because they don't really understand who you right. are. Absolutely. Was somebody was somebody at home explaining to them? At what point were the kids informed, or, or yeah. did they know what what was going on with you physically? So my sisters, 
my youngest sister, Lucy, took my baby 18 months. And he just, we just morphed into one. That, that mom that me and Lucy all of a sudden just turned into the mom. So he, he was easier. I mean, he didn't like cry himself to sleep at night. Whereas my other kids, they, they knew me and they remembered me and they knew that something was terribly wrong. And, and my sister Courtney was, was doing a really good job at helping them talk through it. And they were also getting help with the therapists at the burn center. They would talk to them, you know, show them pictures of burn survivors. And, you know, they, they have a really very diplomatic way of doing it. It was very, you know, you know, explaining what burn survivors look like and how it's going to be different. And, you know, and I think, I think they, they knew and, and understood, but no, not to the level of like when they visited me for the first time, it was to this day, one of the very worst days of my life. Like I, even worse than the actual day of the accident, I think was when they saw me for the first time, because that's when it was real to them and real to me. And it was, it was a disaster. And you mentioned that, you know, you kept replaying in your mind, going back to what you were saying about guilt, you kept replaying in your mind in the hospital, you know, the last time you said goodbye to your little boy and he was clinging to you and, and you left. And, And my question is, you know, first of all, our listeners should know your book is so fantastic. And the first section is so beautiful and it's so romantic. And you created such a wonderful, vibrant home life with this incredible husband and these beautiful children. And it's very clear from page one what your priorities are in life. And that's your family and that's God. And mm-hmm. and it's so beautiful. And then to go into the accident and and how honest you are about how difficult it was and every challenge along the way. And then how resilient you are in recreating your home life again and not letting this stop you. How do you deal with separation anxiety now? Like when, you know, when you imagine your son clinging to you after the accident and after, you know, all of these surgeries, how, how do you manage with separation anxiety? Because I would have such a difficult time like ever leaving the house again. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I replay that, that scene in my head all of the time with me, me drop, you know, basically my mother-in-law like ripping them out of my hands. And I think about that all the time, but I, 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 and I thought about that and it, and I realized that it was hindering my, my healing process. I would, I would, you know, start to get better. And then I would think about that moment and then it would set me back again. And I just thought to myself, I just can't do this. I have, there has to come to a point where you have to just, start living again and you can't be scared anymore you can't be worried about pain or or scary things or you know disasters or accidents because it it really it you can't live fully that way and so I just had to to learn and teach myself that through God I can I can I can do this I can live a beautiful life and I and I don't have to be scared all of the time and once I started helping myself learn that and, and start, you know, saying that to myself over and over again, I really started to believe it. And then once I was believing it, I was living it. And and so now it's like, you know, I I, I can't be scared of, of leaving the house or I can't be worried about doing things and leaving the kids anymore. And I just, 
because I just, it's not living. It's not living to me. And, and if I'm going to get a second chance at this life, you know, I'm going to do good things with it. I want to really, I'm going to be strong and I'm going to be the best mother I can be and the best wife and woman. And I'm not going to let those, you know, those feelings back inside my heart because it really was hard for me to get better when I had those feelings. I was just flipping through your blog and uh, uh, earlier this week, and there's so many beautiful photos of you and your family having dinner together that I have to admit <laughs> to Bianca that I tried cooking <laughs> because of your blog. <laughs> I know. I tried cooking. Oh it yeah. wasn't great. We all do our own good things. But yeah. I would love – no, but I was really inspired. We have tons of groceries right now in the fridge because I uh, printed out some recipes. I've cooked once. We'll see if I do it again. But there's lots – this fridge is stocked because I looked at this blog. It is so inspiring in terms of like – Because you're like you want your family because to sit down. Better, it's beautiful. I, I feel like what's better than like a, a, a home – like just a meal. Like you don't even have to yes. cook it. But just no, sitting I'm down do with your family. Now. You have the best conversations at that time. Yeah. There's never, there's nowhere else that that those conversations start coming, and that's something that really is important to me. So okay. you don't have to cook; you can go pick it up and bring it home. No, but, but I'm going to try down more together. Often. That's the point. Yeah. Okay. And then we, my heart melted when I saw the back to school feast, and you <laughs> mentioned at the beginning of the interview the importance of tradition. So can you share with our listeners your back to school feast? It's amazing. So back to school feast is well. First of all, I should say that. I want my children to know that I love and honor them. And so I want to do these things for them that shows them that, that, you know, that, that, that Christian and I, we, we love them as our children, but as, you know, they're going to be adults one day and we want them to feel that confidence and love that they, they should and deserve to have start at home with us. So, um, so I just, anything I do, I just feel like it needs to be, I need to really go out, all out on this. And, and I love doing things like that. So I just decided one day I was going to do this. And I, and I actually started, the, the it was a couple weeks before that accident is when I first started to do it. And um, I just, you just pick a theme for the year and it's, you know, inspiring, something inspiring that, that will help them throughout the school year. And we talk about it each each week and then um at the feast we just just sit down and have a beautiful meal together and it's kind of getting out of hand though because my kids my kids are like oh i can't wait to see what you're gonna make or what you're gonna give us or like it's like second christmas now i kind of like put myself in a bad spot i need to like tone it down just a little bit no don't we love it on the blog Do it for us. <laughs> it is. It is. It is pretty magical. And honestly, those pictures really are what's going on. Like, I, I'm so grateful because I can get um, my good friend comes in and takes pictures of us before we have the feast. And and that really is what it is. I look back at those pictures and I just melt because that's really what we feel. That's really what's going on. That's the colors and the everything about it is, that's my life. That's my family. And I'm so grateful for it. Stephanie. So so thank you. Thank you for saying that. (laughs) Of course. I love Uh, it. That's the thing. It's like this accident has not defined you. And that's, I think, the most remarkable part about your story is that, you know, you have, you know, you've all of our hearts have exploded and we can't believe how strong and resilient you are. And then you continue to live this beautiful, vibrant life that 
is limitless. I don't know. I get chills. It's it's very exciting. And it's so fun that we get to like peek in by looking at the blog and and everyone needs to read your book, Heaven is Here. Yeah. Well, thank you. I just saw one of your blog posts that might now become my all-time favorite. What? And you took a photograph of your family in motion and you said that I don't want to forget this, right? Yeah. And yeah. it's so it's so you you it was just a simple moment, right? They were they were maybe you can describe the photograph a little bit of, of what it of what it actually looked like with the kids and whatnot so our listeners can know. But you just were talking about these are the moments, the moments where everyone it's not a it's not a cel- a setup celebration, it's not some big event, it's just the simple moments in life. And I wanna hear you mm-hmm. talk about this here because I think this is one of the most important thing things for us as parents to remember. Well, so the the photograph I took, it was right before, so first of all, I should say, the worst time of day, the worst time of day for me is between 3.30 and 5 o'clock. It's like, it's like the worst day. It's hours of day. It's like I could wish I could just cut those hours out from away because it's kids getting home from school, getting the homework rush. They're hungry, but you're going to make dinner. So you don't really know. Like, I don't want to give you too much food to eat because we're going to eat soon, and I'm going to be slaving away, making this dinner, and then you're going to be eating these snacks. So anyway, I hate that time of day. I just think it's the worst. But I just remember taking a picture of what was going on, and there was so much going on. There were kids doing this and that and homework, and, and I was about to make dinner, and the lighting was just absolutely beautiful. And and I just thought, like... These are the moments that I'm alive. This, these are, this is what I'm living for is this chaos. And it's, it is those hours, those horrible hours because <laughs> that's what, that's what makes, that's, that's what the, the life is about. If we didn't know the chaos, how would we even know the joy of anything? And so I just took a picture of it and I thought, I want to remember this. I want to remember how, how, you know, that I'm, how I'm feeling. I'm a little frustrated and I'm kind of tired and exhausted, but I'm also so happy and my kids are happy and they love each other and we have this beautiful home we get to enjoy and the weather is extremely just beautiful and, and I just, everything about my life at that moment was perfect and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else and I just wanted to take a picture of that that I would remember so that, you know, on those really hard days when I just feel like I can't do it. I look at that picture and I think, you know, I would die to be there right now, just feeling exactly how I feel. And I wanted to remember what I was thinking and, and I will, I will remember that. And I think that is one of the greatest gifts that I have been given. And if I could share any advice or wisdom that I have had since the accident would be for people to just enjoy where they're at, enjoy their season and just, you know, it won't be like that forever. The hard times won't always be hard. And and we just need to just enjoy every day and every moment. And I know sometimes it's hard and sometimes we want to give up and quit, but but that's that's you know, everyone feels that way. It's 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 just the way it is and it's just how we deal with those hard things. That's what that's what I think that's what matters. And you and you have an amazing inspired faith that drives you, supports you, holds you, that has gotten you through 
something that a lot of people couldn't have gotten through. And you share that with your husband. And you guys, I mean, talk about, first of all, I just want to say, every time Stephanie writes me, she ends the, she ends the email with your husband's really hot. (laughs) It's so true though. I love it so much. I'm not ashamed to say that. Listen, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be because I feel the same way about you and your love and, (laughs) and you guys, you guys are just the sweetest and the cutest and the most romantic. And I love, that was one of my favorite things when I first started reading your blog was that you called him Mr. Nielsen. I first, the first couple times I'm like, who is this Mr. Nielsen? She's talking about. (laughs) Um, and so can you talk a little bit about your faith and about, um, how your relationship with your husband has, I mean, listen, there, most couples I know couldn't make it through what you two have made it through. And I want to know, I want to know what it is that works between the two of you that has helped you to make it this far. Well, um, after I, I, well, I got married when I was 19 years old and I, and I feel like I was born to get married. I, I feel like I was one of those, those girls. But all my life, I, I wanted to have babies, and I wanted a husband, and I wanted a, a family and a home, and I wanted to, to be in charge of it. I, I liked, you know, I, I liked that. I thought that, that was, that's just who I was. I came that way. And so when I met Christian, that was it. My, it was my fairy tale life, and that really was. I mean, of course, there's hard times, and we would. You know, there were frustrating moments. Oh, wait, and you gave him a book. You gave him a Hemingway book, and he went on his way to Africa on a mission trip, and you waited for yeah. him, and he came back. I mean, it's the most romantic thing ever. <laughs> now, I know yeah. I'm not the only reader who is wondering, what happened to that first boyfriend who was on that other mission trip? Do you, have you ever he, talked to him again? He, he just, you know what? He, bless his heart. He, <laughs> once I saw Christian, I did not look back. Yeah. And he came home from his mission, and... He kind of stalked my house a little bit. I remember, <laughs> like, being on my front porch with my baby, you know, and he just had barely gotten home from his mission. And she just drove by, and we just looked at each other, and I was like, man, I'm so, like, gone. Like, I'm so over that. I got his wife now, and he just, it was sad. Aww. I see him sometimes around. He's, he's great now. He's got children and a wife. You are very great, kind so. to him in the book. For, well, for he, he was just a good good man. He was a sweetheart. I want to tell you that he wasn't the one. The first section, uh, I think women should just draw a nice little bath, put on like put a little rose oil <laughs> in. Like, I mean, it is a very romantic tale. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was great. Um, but I, but I, I was going to say that I in the burn center after the accident, the doctors and the therapists they got my family, our families, Christian's family, and my family together. And they said, you know, just so you know, usually when husband and wife were, you know, couples, partners, whatever, that whenever something tragic like this happens, they usually don't stay together. They they usually, the marriage dissolves. It's just too stressful. It's too hard. And then you have the mix of the kids. They just can't. It, it's just been hard. It's just our, you know, um, experience that we've seen that, that the that couples just, they can't hang on. So we just want to tell you that to just be ready for that. And of course, you know, that, that, that information was, you know, it was appreciated and we're grateful for it, but that really, my family was like, no, you, you don't know these two. <laughs> like they were, they were made for each other. And, and this accident is really just going to make them stronger, which it totally has. And he has, 
I love I love the best analogy I can explain with our relationship is it's when you're pregnant and you're I get very sick when I'm pregnant and I can say to him oh I'm so sick and I don't feel good and and he can be like oh honey I'm so sorry but he really doesn't know he has no idea what it really feels like he can sympathize with me but he can't he doesn't physically know what it feels like but with Burns we both were we're in this accident together and we can. I can say, oh my, I just don't feel good. My, I am achy today, and he can. He, he's like, he knows what that feels like. He really knows. So there's that yeah. added. I don't know that similarity that we have. That's really been a strength in our marriage because we both know exactly how we feel, and we're the best support for each other. And um, and I think when we got married. Um, it was a partnership between, of course, Christian and I, but God. It was there. It's, it was me, Christian, and God, and and the same with him. And when we put God first in our marriage and in our relationship, you know, that's when you start seeing miracles happen. And and I really contribute our loving relationship to 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 God because we honor Him, we love Him, and we He comes first in our marriage, and we both. We both agreed on that. We both have, have known that. So, so I think you know through all of the, the hardships and the trials, they were really hard. But, but I think with God, we were able to get through it, and and we both recognize that and and know that. So well, and you have, did that answer that question? Oh yes, absolutely. You have you have a purpose. You have. I mean, I love that you have taken what has happened to you. And you were like, I know what I can do with this. And I know what I need to go out into the world and, and speak about. And, you know, I think that it, it speaks to your integrity and it speaks to your, your character, but it also speaks to the passion of being supported and loved by a being beyond yeah. yourself. And you're, you just have such a gorgeous family. And then, and then you went on and you had another baby afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And she's the best. How old is she now? She's three. She's, she's three. three oh my gosh. And she's getting so big. I can't even believe it. It's, it's I know. just nuts. I know. It's sad. <laughs> it's really sad. And if I could, I would have, I just like Christian the day, pregnancy is really hard for me, but pregnancy on top of my burns and injuries and all of that is like super hard. And so I just don't know if I could do it again. And and I just said, oh, sometimes when I go hiking, I think maybe someone will, it'll be like a baby that someone just left for one important and I'll pick it up and I'm going to keep it. And it'll be mine. So that would be perfect. Have you but, considered you know. adoption? Uh, we've, t- we've talked about it, but I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know why it doesn't feel right to me. Yeah. Maybe because I am supposed to have another one or yeah. maybe I will find that baby up in the mountains hiding. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. My story keeps going. It just keeps I know. This is why it's evolving. like, I love it. It's in real time yeah. too. I feel like such a voyeur. Like I just get to keep following your life. I love the blog. Oh, um, you, you talk about surrendering expectations and you mention that when Claire was a year old, you were like, you know what? I don't need to nurse anymore. Like I'm, I'm a, Claire will be fine. I don't need to do it anymore. And you said that you know, I can only do my best and that's all that matters. Can you talk to our mamas a little bit about expectations and about surrendering to them and that, we, you know, we don't have to do everything by the book or as long as we thought we did and, 
you know, give give some mamas yeah. some love there. Well, I think mothers they don't give themselves enough credit. We were born to be mothers, so we we were we were born given those strengths and those talents. And some of us have, are better at it. Some of us, you know, have developed those those you know better or faster than others. But we're still all given that. I think. And I think mothers sometimes they don't they don't remember that, or they 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 just they feel like they have to to find answers right now, right then. And so they go out and they search for it. But when they do that, they're, they don't think they are, but they're comparing themselves all of a sudden to, to these perfect moms who did it this way and did it that way and that way. I know several hundreds of mothers who have done it all differently, but they were all right. They were all perfect for them and for their babies. And, and I just think, I just wish that more women and mothers would give themselves more credit, but they really do know. They know, they know what to do. And and no book can tell them, you know, how to how to do everything. That but their instincts can tell them how, you know. And, and of course, we are all together. That's what I love about about you know mothers and motherhood is that we can rely on each other for help. And and we it's a community where we can share our thoughts. But we really are the ones that know what's best for our children. And when it's time to do stuff, and when it's time to stop nursing, or when it's time to put your baby in a, you know, out of the crib and into a toddler bed or, you know, it's just, I just wish we'd be more, mothers would be more supportive of mothers when they do things their way. You know, we don't have to do it. There's no right or wrong, I think. As long as we're just loving these children and giving them what they need and supporting and loving them and helping them, then I think it doesn't, they're going to learn it and, and we just all need to rally around and help. And I felt that way in my community. I felt the choices that I made, I felt supported and I felt like, you know, that, that my sisters, you know, they, they didn't do it the way I did it, but, but, but they supported me through and they loved me and they helped me. And, and it was easier for me to ask for help or advice because they felt like I wasn't being judged all the time by how I did things. And I really think that that, that's, you know, how I, how I, raise my children with with that mentality and it's worked for me. So I get so mama bear on your Instagram account sometimes because some <laughs> people on there are they are not very nice to you, Stephanie. I know. I and, I, know. and it's, do you know one time, I can't remember if I kept it on there or I deleted it, but I got so riled up. It was some silly, <laughs> stupid thing, but you had, you had taken a picture, I think, of Charlotte on the bike and some, and yeah. people were losing their mind about like whatever, however she was strapped into the seat or like the helmet or something. And it wasn't even clear, yeah. like, had you left on the ride yet or you were coming back on the ride yet? Well, and I, that's the thing is that they don't know. Yes. They don't know that maybe. Who wants to take their pictures of their kids with helmets on? I mean, what what if I took off the helmet and took a picture? And what if I got her out of her seatbelt so that I could take a a picture? What if we were in our car? What if we were in our carport? You can only take photos of your babies in bubbles. You can always (laughs) have your baby in a bubble. That's the only way to get around it. Well, I I got really riled up. I know, and I understand. (laughs) I know, I know, I know, but I just think. No, but that's ridiculous. It's that way. Why do you have to, like, why do you have to say it? Why do you? 
yeah. say it in your mind or say it to your husband. Yeah, or make go. a, make a public service announcement. Don't don't yeah. write all over your Instagram. <laughs> well, That's right. I finally but, I finally responded on one of them because I got I had had enough, Stephanie. I was like, this is enough. <laughs> they can't keep attacking poor Stephanie. I so I wrote on there and then I was I like. Know. Thank I know. Thank you. Thank you. I, when I post things. <laughs> and and I don't. My husband always, Christian always says, "Don't don't leave your comments." Or like yesterday, yeah. or a couple of days ago, I wrote something or I posted something, and he said, "Just don't read your comments today." <laughs> and, and I'm like, oh, all, right, "All right, I won't." But of course I do. You know, of course I want to. And I do get mad. And sometimes I I type out a big explanation and I'm explaining myself, and then I'm like, "I don't need to explain myself to anyone." Exactly. Person, and you know, and then I erase it. But sometimes it feels good to. Like, I get really mean emails all the time, and I always respond, but I don't send them. I know. I have a bunch in my draft folder. I have a bunch of those in my draft folder, so it's kind of dangerous. I should go delete them now, just in case they ever got hacked or something. (laughs) Yeah, delete them. You got to delete them. But but it's therapeutic to write responses, you know. Yes. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Oh my gosh, Ellie, if, if something happened to you so and we, we found all these oh, dra- angry should, drafts. You know what? <laughs> that should be published and it'd be an incredible book. It'd be an incredible book. <laughs> my it posthumous really or posthumous. Is that how you say it? Posthumous. Mm-hmm. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Um, my, my darling girl, I so loved hearing your voice on the phone and I know, now, me that, too. now that I have your number, you better watch out. <laughs> I know. I'm glad that we really should like... Well, be like real friends and text each other. I know. Well, I don't know. And by the way, I I have some ideas that I'd love to talk to you about. So you and I need to get okay. on the horn, on the horn anyway. Um, okay. And um, but I just I adore you, and you inspire me every day when I go to that blog. All of our listeners need to go and check it out. We'll put the links up on our Facebook and on our Instagram and everywhere that anyone needs to find information. But Aww, um, oh my God, and read the book. My yes. little, my two-year-old Sabrina was laying in bed with me last night and she had Miss Moppet, Beatrix Potter, and I had the Kindle. <laughs> and she, I was like, she could feel like the love I was like shooting out by reading the book. Like it, I, I was so, was so relaxed and happy and smiling towards the end. And she like came over like a little kitten and started like cuddling up on me. Yes. And I was so even more receptive to her because of the book because it is it's like all that matters is family like you put it in perspective for us it's so great yeah but thank you thank you for just being you and for your strength and for your humor and for just being an awesome chick you rock oh thank you (laughs) thank you i'm honored that i that i got to talk to you guys today and grateful to share my story and yeah grateful to um to be alive I just and I'm it's so nice to, to finally hear your voice and, yes and thanks for letting me be a part of that That's absolutely so we will talk later for sure we can do it again let's do it again let's, okay. again. We're, let's right now we're, we're doing this again we're gonna have a part two listeners get excited all right part two okay I'll talk to you later Stephanie okay thanks again guys We want to take a quick moment to remind the listeners to, I don't know why I just got a lisp when I said listeners, <laughs> to follow Atomic Moms on Twitter and Instagram and on Facebook. Just search Atomic Moms on Facebook and you'll find our page. And sometimes we put special things on Facebook that we don't put on Instagram and then we don't put on Twitter. This is like a big commitment, guys. So just just look at all three. <laughs> oh, you're teasing people. You're, you're giving them a little bait well, to come in. Some of the articles, you can't put that on Instagram. Yeah. And follow us. You guys follow our personal accounts too, at Miss Kylik on Instagram and Twitter. And at Ellie in LA on Instagram and Twitter. 
I officially have a girl crush on her. I mean, oh, I, would, yeah. I did before, but now that talking to her, I'm I'm glowing. <laughs> you are. You're very, well, it's so I mean, funny. I am excited. It reminds me of like – You when, look like you just went on a On a, a date. date. Um, when I – you know when you were in grade school and you had pen pals and like you would write to these people and then like we did a, a field trip and we went and met our pen pals and I remember it was so exciting and my girl was so cool and I felt like that today. I was I was genuinely excited to talk to her all day and she was even cooler than I imagined. <laughs> She's really fantastic. She is awesome. Okay, what do you got for your mom's session, Missy? Okay. Well, it's feeling a little superficial because we just had this incredible conversation. No disclaimers. And now we're we're talking about something that's like fun and helpful. It's a mom session, right? Yeah. And uh, so my mom session is this fantastic play mat Sabrina has. It's by Parklon. I had a really difficult time finding a a non toxic, BPA free, non phthalate. You know all the chemicals, yeah. right? And because of my knee tumor, I'm just a freak about that stuff. And there are not very many out there. They're like bright, hostile colors. <laughs> I'm just saying. Our we're so room, high maintenance, we're are so we? high maintenance. Yeah. I'm just saying. If I'm going to have a little playroom off the kitchen, yeah. which was the dining room, yeah. that I just gave up and put up some gates. If I have to look at this thing all the time downstairs, yeah. then um, I like it to be soft colors. And these have beautiful designs. I remember my mom, when she came to visit, saw the setup. She goes, what? are you just letting her take over the house? <laughs> I'm like, yes, I am. That's what happens uh, for you. now. For now, I am. Uh, so the Parklon mat is, it's like soft and cushiony. It's non-toxic, BPA-free. It's non-phthalate. It's water-resistant and easy to clean. So uh, you can also check it out at parklonamerica.com. Okay, you guys have to go check it out. Our mom bomb, no surprise, comes from our brilliant guest, Stephanie Nielsen says, there is divine purpose in all that we do. We can be grateful for what we have and make it into something better. We can gain strength from our experiences rather than dwell on how horrible they were. There is a loving Heavenly Father who wants us to grow from trials, and it's up to us to do that. We've been given all the tools and more to get through anything that comes our way. No matter what you believe, guys, whether you believe in God, whether you believe in the universe, whether you believe in your husband, your mother, your father, your wife, your friends, you just have to know that there are people who support and love you. Sometimes they are beyond the veiled curtain, and they've always got your back, as do we. Remember to trust in your goodness. Live out your greatness. And rock on. Atomic, Atomic Moms. Moms. And dads. 